Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here to worship with us today at the Vista. Share your morning with us. We are always grateful, grateful to have you. Before we get into our, our sermon, our text for today, I wanted to just call your attention to this uh, little piece of paper you might have received on your way in. Uh, this month, we're, we're doing sort of a, a serving push, if you will. Um, it is a blessing that, that all of our ministries are in a season of growth right now. Um, if you go down the kids' hallway in just about any service, it's like a little kid bomb went off back there. It's like crazy. They're all over the place, right? Our student ministry is seeing more students on Wednesdays uh, than we've probably ever seen. Our, our college ministry and our young adult ministry and everything's just really doing well, which is a blessing. And we are super grateful for that as a church. Uh, God has certainly blessed. Um, however, to make sure that all of our ministries really function and run really, really well, uh, it requires a lot of volunteers, and so I would just encourage you, if you um, have not already found a place to serve, um, fill this out. There's some opportunities on here for you. You can just check boxes that apply and then drop it. We'll have some blue buckets on your way out. Uh, we'll make sure we reach out and sort of get you connected. Um, but we would love to have you serving using your gifts and your talents here at the Vista or with some of our, our local partners, um, even outside of our church. It's a great way uh, to just invest and, and give of yourself to others. Um, I'm reminded again that you know, when you begin to serve in a place on a regular basis, it just kind of helps that place become home, you know, like it goes from just being a place you attend every now and then to being like, man, this is family, this is home, I'm, I'm committed to this particular place. And so um, just want to call your attention to that. Um, if you didn't get one of these, we have some for you on your way out, but drop that in the blue bucket and we'll make sure we help get you connected and serving somewhere here at the Vista. Um, I forget what number week this is, but we're in our series entitled, This is Water. I can confidently say this is the second to last week of the series. Next week, Austin is going to wrap the series up, and then we're going we're gonna to launch into a new series on conflict, which could have been a part of this series, right? Because let's be honest, if you have any kind of relationship or interaction with any other human being, you're going to have to learn to deal with some conflict, right? It's very much the waters in which we swim, and so we're going to spend some weeks kind of talking about how do, we, how do we fight the right way? Like, how do we handle conflict in a godly, biblical fashion? And so that's, that's the, next, the next series. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about the subject of anxiety. Some of you were like, I knew I shouldn't have come to church today, right? <laughs> anxiety, like it's, let's be honest, like it's something that probably to some degree or another, we all may struggle with, uh, some way more so than others, Right? Um, but again, it's, it's very much the waters in which we swim. It's so prevalent. In fact, by every statistical measure, we are a people who struggle with anxiety more than any other time in human history, right? Which is kind of crazy if you think about it. It's like Austin's sermon last week. Like, we're the most fragile people ever, and yet we're the most safe uh, we worry and are anxious about more today than ever, and yet I would say we have a lot less reason to be anxious than than others have in the past. And so it's this, this weird thing that happens, but um, the number one category of prescription drugs is anxiety meds and antidepressants. The number one category that's given out, again, more than any other time in human history. And, and just to be clear, on the, at the outset of the sermon, um, I'm not here to speak against that stuff. Like I'm not here to, you know, there's no stigma attached to it. In fact, I'm not here to say all that's unnecessary. And in fact, you know, it, it, it can be necessary. It may be indeed necessary. There's a, there's a way to approach and tackle problems in life from a lot of different angles, a lot of different perspectives. In fact, a lot of times a multi-layered approach to attacking problems is the way to go. And so I'm not here to like rail against those things. I think they all have their place. 
And they are necessary, but I am here to say as a pastor and looking at scripture that anxiety um, is, it's not just a psychological or emotional problem. It's also very much a spiritual problem. And so we want to be concerned with what does scripture have to say? What does Jesus have to say on the subject? And then we'll talk about, you know, how can we, how can we handle that? What do we do with our, with our anxiety? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 to start off with. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, as always, we'll, we'll throw the words up here on this really big screen behind me so you can follow along. Matthew chapter 6 is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the longest recorded sermon we have that Jesus ever preached. And in this particular sermon, he, he tackles a lot of different topics. He kind of goes from one topic to the next, right? It'd be like if Austin and I are, you know, we're, we're preaching and instead of just kind of focusing on one thing, we just kind of popcorn taught about, you know, nine different subjects. Some of you would love that. Some of you would absolutely hate it, right? But, but he talks about anxiety and we're going to look at, uh, in chapter six, beginning in verse 25, he has a little section here on, on anxiety. And here's what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Okay, and so he, he's talking about a, a few specific things that people would have tended to be anxious about. And then he's going to give some uh, just examples as he, as he teaches. He's going to give some examples. So verse 26, he says this, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are not you, um, are you not more valuable than they? So the first thing uh, he's going to talk about is, is food, okay? Um, and again, I would remind you that in the first century, this was very much a daily struggle. The struggle for food, like they didn't have refrigerators and freezers where they could, you know, stock up food for the week or the month. They didn't, they didn't shop at Sam's and buy stuff in bulk for their family, right? Like that was a legitimate need. They'd wake up going, man, I, I, need, I need to make sure we have something to eat today. In the most popular prayer Jesus ever prayed, the Lord's Prayer, there's a line in there where he prays, give us today our daily bread. And a lot of us think like, that seems like an odd line because, again, most of us don't wake up day in and day out worried about whether we're going to get to eat today or not, but that was a real struggle for them, okay? And so they would wake up going, I got to make sure I have food for today. And so this, this people in the first century, Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't worry about your food. Don't, don't be anxious about that. Look at the birds. And I don't know, maybe birds like flew over right then and he was like, look at the birds, like they don't have like a, a satchel attached to them full of stuff. Like they're going to be fine. Like God takes care of the birds and, and, and aren't you more valuable than the birds? Don't be anxious about your food. Then the next sort of category I would say is, um, we'll call it health. Like just your, your overall uh, well-being in life. Look what he says in verse 27. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Right? He's saying, look, as much as you can worry and be burdened and be anxious, it's not going to make you live longer. In fact, most doctors would tell you anxiety is really, really bad for you. Like it does some things to your physical body. It can affect your heart. It can affect your circulation. It can affect the glands of your body. It can affect a lot of different stuff. And so Jesus is like, look, by worrying, by being anxious, you're not going to worry yourself into a longer life. In fact, you might worry yourself into a shorter life, right? Like you can't add to your life by being anxious. So so don't be anxious. Listen, we live in a day in an age where, um, man, we, we spend a lot of money, a lot of resources on things like, you know, 
memberships to gyms and exercise equipment and the latest diet and buying the right foods and uh, vitamins, you know, take your vitamins and just sometimes we're, we're really concerned with health. Now, again, to be clear, I'm not here to rail against those things because those are good. I think there is a biblical precedent for taking care of your body and, and living in a, in a healthy way, right? Like I, I had yogurt and granola this morning for breakfast, right? It's pretty healthy. And again, I'm not, I shouldn't really brag because most mornings I stop by Shipley's on my way here. Full disclosure, I like me some donuts, right? But listen, being healthy is, is really good and like exercise, but, but sometimes that can become maybe a bit of an idol. That can become one of the great sources of our anxiety. Man, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be healthy? Am I going to get some disease? Am I going to, you know, what about my, my kids? And, and just this, this anxiousness deep in our spirit about our life and how long we're going to live. And so Jesus addresses that here. Then he talks about, uh, he talks about clothing next. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so he talks about clothing, and, and again, I, I don't think that Jesus is really addressing like materialism here. Uh, they didn't have shopping malls where they were concerned about the latest fashion, okay? Uh, they didn't have walk-in closets with a lot of different options of stuff to wear. Like, a lot of people in that day and time would have had maybe a change of clothes, maybe two. He's talking about needs, daily needs, okay? So follow me. If Jesus is talking to the people in the first century about these daily absolute necessities of life, and he tells them, hey, I know you need that stuff to live, but don't be anxious about that stuff. Don't be anxious about it. Like, what do you think he would say to us today who typically have more than enough food for today, closets full of different clothes to wear, things to drink. We don't worry about, you know, whether we're going to turn the water on and it's just not going to come on or it's not going to be clean most days, right? I think Jesus would tell us, yeah, even more so, like, man, why are you so anxious? Again, by comparison, I feel like we have far less to be anxious about than they did in the first century, and yet Jesus is going, hey, don't be anxious about your life. Food and drink and clothing. Now, I also know that some of you you might be listening to this first part in Matthew 6 and you might go, that's not what I'm anxious about, Dave. Like I, food and drink and clothing, that's not my struggle. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not anxious about that. I'm anxious about other stuff, but food, drink, and clothing that Jesus is specifically talking about here, that's not my struggle. And so just to cover all of our bases, hold your finger there in Matthew 6 and let's look at Philippians chapter 4, okay? Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul also addresses anxiety here. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Well, that's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? Anything, right? Like that covers everybody, right? Paul's like, don't be, don't be anxious about stuff, about, about anything right? Here's the thing. In this life, there is no shortage of things to be anxious about, right? 
They're, they're, just, they're just not. We've talked about the world in which we live. Bad things happen. It's a, a broken, fallen, sinful world. In any world in which sin exists, there's always going to be something to be anxious about. There's always going to be something, like what Austin said last week, to be fearful about. And so we can't simply eliminate or get rid of everything or everyone in our lives that causes us anxiety, right? You can't eliminate them. You'll go to jail for that, right? You can't just get rid of all the stuff that causes anxiety in your life. And so we have to figure out what we do with it. What do we do with it? What do we do with the anxiety that so much fills our lives, fills our hearts, fills our heads? Because we just can't eliminate all the stuff that causes the anxiety. And so what I want to do is just try to, from the text, from Philippians 4 and then Matthew 6, I want to just try to give us um, just some, some big ideas of what we biblically, a biblical approach to what we do with our anxiety, all right? Since we're already in Philippians 4, I'll, I'll start in Philippians 4. We'll look at a couple, and then we'll jump back to Matthew 6 and look at, a, look at a couple others. So the first thing here, right after he says in verse 6, not to be anxious about anything, he says, but, so rather, or instead of being anxious, right, in everything by prayer and supplication, okay? Prayer and supplication. The first thing, the first kind of point is this, with our anxieties, we need to learn to take our anxieties to the Lord. We need to learn to get into the presence of God when it comes to our anxieties and our fears and our burdens and our worries, right? First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you really quickly. Peter writes this. He says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then look at 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We're told in scripture that when we have burdens, we have anxieties, that we're to take that to the Lord, we're to get into the presence of God. Listen, I've thought a lot about the Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote Philippians, the guy that's writing not to be anxious, but instead go to the Lord. And, and you know, I don't know what Paul struggled with personally. I know that Paul repeatedly prayed that God would take away this, this thing. He had this, he called it a thorn in the flesh, right? We don't know what that was exactly. It might have been some physical ailment that he really wanted God to take away that God never did. It might have been some stronghold or some sin that kind of just kept coming up in his life or a particular temptation that he wrestled with. Knowing Paul's personality and just how driven he was and his concern that he would have had for all the churches and all the pastors and the gospel, um, all of the travel that he did, like Paul may have been someone that was prone to a little bit of anxiety. I don't know. But... But maybe it was that very thing in Paul's life that sort of pushed him into the presence of God. Maybe it was that very thing that sort of reminded Paul of his dependence on God. Maybe for you it's the same way. Like maybe your anxiety or that thing that just stresses you out so much, maybe it, it can be that thing that if you'll allow it, it can help sort of push you into God's presence where you remember, oh yeah, I'm dependent on God. Like I need God. When we go to God, what we typically want to do is we want God to fix the problem or make the problem go away, right? We go to God and go, hey, I'm struggling with this thing. I want it to just leave my life. I want it to go away. Same thing Paul prayed for. Take it away. We often want resolution, but what God is most after is relationship, right? We often want resolution, fix the problem. God's like, no, I want, I'm most concerned with relationship. So maybe, maybe your anxieties, those things that sort of fill your heart can be the very things that help push you into the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God is number one. Take your anxieties to the Lord. Take them to the Lord. Don't try to handle them on your own. Right after, right after he says prayer and supplication, look what he says next in 
He says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Number two is be thankful for the blessings in your life. Be thankful for the blessings in your life. Gratitude is a great weapon against anxiety. Gratitude is a great weapon against anxiety. Here's the thing. Anxiety is always sort of causing you to think about the worst case scenario, isn't it? Anxiety always has you play out like worst case scenario. What if this thing happens or what if this doesn't go well or, or whatever? It's, that's what anxiety does. It sort of causes you to lose perspective. And when you're battling anxiety, perspective is key. Like what if instead of uh, being anxious about all the stuff that, that does or could go wrong, we first started with all the reasons that we're grateful for how God has blessed. So it's just some specific examples. Like maybe instead of, you know, being anxious about your job or about your boss or about your finances, then you're just thankful that you have a job because a lot of people don't. Maybe instead of being anxious about, you know, your, all the stuff you have to do at the house and the yard and all these the, the list of stuff that you just can't keep up with and you're anxious, be thankful that, hey, I, I have a home. I have a roof over my head. God's been really good. I have somewhere to sleep tonight. Maybe instead of like, you know, worrying about all the laundry and all the dishes and all the stuff that oh, it's just piling up and I got all this anxiousness in my heart, go, hey, I'm great, grateful that I have, you know, a fam- I have people to do laundry for and wash dishes for, like, because a lot of people don't. See how that works? Perspective can be really key when battling anxiety. So Paul says, look, go to God with it and then be thankful, be grateful. Practice gratitude and thankfulness rather than just getting anxious about everything, right? Go back with me to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, we'll look at a few more. Jesus has just spent, I read it to you, he just spent, uh, again, several verses there, multiple times in those verses, he says, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, right? And then he gets to uh, verse 33, so he's been saying, don't this, don't, 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 and then in verse 33, we find something to do instead. He says in verse 33, instead of anxious, but again, instead of, rather than being anxious, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Number three is to make the kingdom a priority. Make the kingdom a priority. This is really about sort of refocusing your attention on what God wants your attention to be on to begin with, right? Anxiety can be such a problem because it can steal your joy. It can rob you of your peace. It can affect your relationships, and it can limit your effectiveness just as a person. It can limit your effectiveness as a, as a minister, right? It can limit your effectiveness from, from being about the business that God has called you to be about. So Jesus says, look, instead of being anxious about everything, instead, man, be about the work that God has given you to do. A lot of us kind of have this backwards. We think that like, look, I got all this stuff going on in my life. And man, my, my family, my marriage, my kids, my job, my, there's all these different things, things that we're anxious about, right? And we always kind of have this idea that once I get all this stuff together, 
And this stuff is, then I'll be at a better place where then I can jump in and I can, I can serve and I can invest in others and I can really be generous and I can give my time. And so we have this idea that if I just get all this stuff sorted out, then I'll be at a place where I can be an effective minister building the kingdom of God. When in reality, that's totally opposite of what God tells us to do, right? God says first... Be about the business of what God wants you to be about. Man, jump in and, and serve and invest in others and use your gifts and be generous and build the kingdom. And what happens when you do that is you realize that, man, all this other stuff begins to sort of drift into the background a little bit. Jesus says, you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So to be clear, these things, this is not a health and wealth prosperity verse. These things aren't about all your desires and everything you might want. These things, what he's been talking about, are necessities. God's going to take care of your needs, your food, your clothing, your life, your health. Like, God's going to take care of you if we are about building the kingdom. I found that God's work is like remedy for your soul. When you're burdened and you're anxious and you're stressed, man, being about the work that you know God has laid before you, God has given you to do, it's like, it's like a remedy for your soul. And so make the kingdom a priority. I'm convinced that... Satan loves it when God's people are stressed out and burdened and anxious about a lot of stuff. You know why? Because if Satan can keep us preoccupied with our anxiety and all the stuff we're stressed and worried about, we will not be as effective building his kingdom. We will not be as diligent in the work that God has given us to do as the church if we can just be anxious and stressed out all the time, right? So make the kingdom a priority. And then finally, the last point is to trust God with the future. All right, trust God with the future. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. That's the future, right? That's the future. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If most of us sort of look at the things that make us anxious, what we're really sort of anxious about is the future. We, we don't know the future. We want to know the future. We want to control the future. We want things to go well in the future. So we're anxious today, but a lot of the times it's because of what we're worried about or stressed about or anxious about tomorrow down the road. And so learning to trust God with the future, like the same God that is God today, that we come in here and we sing and we celebrate because we know, we believe, we confess God is in control. Well, guess what? God's also in control tomorrow. And so Jesus says, look, don't, don't, don't be anxious about tomorrow. There's enough stuff to be anxious about, to be sure, but not to be anxious about tomorrow because God is God tomorrow. God is the God of the future. I wanted to kind of end with this, this idea, and this is going to be different than probably, I've, I've preached on anxiety before, and uh, this is different for me. I, I wrestled with this this week a lot. Talked to our staff about it. In staff meeting, uh, talked to some friends that I know struggle with anxiety, and I was really uh, just kind of going back and forth in my own head a little bit about, about this idea of anxiety. I've been the pastor in the past that has said, man, like, anxiety is, is sinful and it's wrong, and the Bible clearly says not to do it, not to, not to have that as a part of your life. And so, but I know some of you that are believers in Jesus, and you struggle with anxiety, right? And then what happens is you feel guilty, and there's a lot of guilt and shame associated with it because you're like, I struggle with anxiety, but it's not like a light switch I can just turn off, right? Anybody struggle with anxiety? The last thing you need is for somebody who doesn't struggle with anxiety to tell you, just stop struggling with anxiety, right? You're like, that's not helpful. Thank you, right? Just turn it off. Why are you so anxious, right? Like, no. So you feel, you almost feel anxious then about being anxious. Like some of you, your anxiety has anxiety. Anybody like, 
Yeah, like I'm married to that person, right? My anxiety has anxiety. There's just stuff to be anxious about all the time, and you can feel a lot of guilt and shame because you're just, you're just anxious constantly. And so I wanna, my hope is to kind of relieve some of that pressure and some of that, some of that guilt and shame that is associated with anxiety for you because the more I've wrestled with it, thought about it, read some stuff in Scripture, I've begun to think of anxiety um, a, a little bit more like, like anger or fear, right? Like there's no question that anxiety in your life can be sinful. And a lot of times it is. It's born out of a lack of trust in God. Um, it's, it's rooted in fear. And so make no mistake, anxiety is not healthy. Like it's not, it's not good for you. But when I say it's a lot like maybe anger or fear, you know, the Bible says not to be angry, doesn't it? Don't be angry. Jesus actually said, don't be angry with your brother. Like anger can be a sin. But then Jesus got angry righteously at times, didn't he? Like there's, there's a good kind of anger. There are some things that should probably make us anger, angry. We talked about that. Injustice and oppression. Like there's some things in life that should make us angry and we got to learn how to deal with and handle the anger. But, but anger can be sinful. Same thing with fear. The Bible says that we should not fear, that fear is not from God and that perfect love casts out fear. And then we're also told to fear God, (laughs) right? Like there's a good kind of fear. Again, as a parent, there are some things I want my kids to be, you know, uh, in the right way. I want them to be sort of fearful of for their own good, right? Like I don't want my my seven-year-old just having zero fear of traffic, right? I want him to have a proper view, uh, you know, fear of, of traffic for his own good and his own protection. Like, I don't want him having nightmares about cars, and I don't want it to be like this unhealthy fear, but, but I want him to have the right kind of fear and the appropriate sort of measure of fear. So there are aspects of it that can be good. And so I feel like anxiety to a certain degree, we're maybe all on this little continuum, right? We're just on some level being concerned about other people in our lives having a certain degree of anxiety that causes us to, to, to action on their behalf. Like on some level, I feel like it's, it's, it's human. It's part of what it means to be human. And we've said all along that you don't have to apologize to God for being human. In fact, God knows what it's like to be human. Hebrews tells us we have a great high priest who can sympathize with what we struggle with. Like it says Jesus has been through what we go through, right? Which got me to thinking this week about, was Jesus ever anxious? Like, did Jesus ever experience any kind of anxiety that would be helpful for me to maybe learn from him a little bit? Go with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Jesus is uh, with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's right before he's about to go to the cross the next day. He's about to be arrested, go through a, a trial. He's going to be beaten mercilessly. He's going to be nailed to a cross. And he's He's going to the cross to die for, to sacrifice himself for the sins of all the world. And Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's what's coming around the corner. And so look what happens here in verse 32, Mark 14. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. And he, he began to be greatly, look at the words, distressed and troubled. Now, Some of this is semantics, right? Like it doesn't use the word anxiety, but if I were to ask some of you that have anxiety in your life, describe to me what you're going through, describe to me what you feel, you're probably gonna say distressed and troubled, right? Like that's a, on some level, Jesus knows what's coming. And and to be clear, it's not like born out of fear or a lack of trust in God. It's not rooted in sin, but he knows what's coming. 
And there's on some level some, some anxiousness in his heart. And so here's what, you, what I want you to be kind of more, I want you to notice most of all is, is how does Jesus respond when he is distressed and troubled? Verse 34, and he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Now listen, in other accounts of the garden, when Jesus is in the garden, um, in fact, we're even told that, that Jesus is so distressed, so anxious, if you will, that he begins to sweat droplets of blood, which doctors will tell you, like, that is the highest level of anxiety you can possibly have. In fact, your body cannot hold up under the weight of that kind of anxiety very long. And so Jesus goes through this, verse 35, and going a little further, what does he do? He fell on the ground and he prayed takes his anxieties to the Lord. He gets into the presence of God. If it were possible, he prays the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. So again, it's not a lack of faith. It's not a lack of trust. He acknowledges God can, God can, can handle this. Remove this cup from me. And then look what he says next. Yet not what I will, uh, maybe making the kingdom a priority, Right? Not what I want, but the kingdom. What's best for the kingdom? What's best for people? And then look, but, but what you will. Trusting the Father with the future. Like, what I want you to see is that whether you believe Jesus dealt with anxiety the way you and I do, to the level or to the degree or whatever, the specifics, Jesus was troubled and distressed at this time in his life, and he literally responds with the same things we just talked about. He takes it to the Father. He gets into the presence of God. He prays there. You know, he, he has a kingdom perspective. He has a, a kingdom mindset, the kingdom first. And then he trusts God with the future. He trusts God with the future. I'm reminded that the number one command, Austin said this last week, the number one command in all of scripture is to fear not. Over 150 times, the Bible in one way or another says, fear not. And more often than not, like more often, most of the time when the Bible says fear not, it is followed by the statement or the expression, for I am with you. Most of the time, the Bible tells us to fear not. It's, it, 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 it's followed, for I am with you. This week, I was, uh, we'd put our youngest son to bed and uh, he'd been in bed probably an hour, hour and a half. And I was sitting in my recliner, just kind of unwinding from the day, not really doing much of anything. And um, then I, I see my son come out of our room, my, my wife and I's room. And that's on the opposite end of the house. Like, I don't know, it's weird, because Pax is like super rambunctious and energetic and just kind of loud and all over the place. And then at night, when you're trying to get him to bed and he's sneaking around, he becomes like a ninja. <laughs> like, you know, he's just, he's just unbelievably quiet all of a sudden. It's ridiculous, right? So he comes out of our room on the other end of the house and I can tell right away he's got tears in his eyes and he's like shaking a little bit and like he's distressed. He's, he's anxious, you might say. Like he, something's bothering him. And so I, I go over to him and I'm like, hey, buddy, what are, you, what are you doing? He said he was looking for me or mom and um, he couldn't find mom. So I said, come on, let's, let's go back to bed. And I, I pick him up and I, I take him back to his bed and I put him in his bed and he's still just very fearful. It's dark in his room. And I was like, buddy, what are you, what, are, what is wrong? Like, what are you scared of? And he's just kind of, trembling and he's like I just it's just dark and, and all the people I'm scared of all the people and I'm like what there's nobody there's nobody here <laughs> like I he's clearly like having some sort of a, a dream or a nightmare or night terror or something like that 
and he just wouldn't calm down. His spirit was just anxious and nervous and scared and trembling. So I just grabbed his hand and he squeezed my hand and then I put my other hand on him and I just said a prayer for him. And then I said, buddy, you don't have to be afraid or anxious or nervous. Like daddy, daddy is right here. Daddy's right here beside you. Just hold my hand, daddy's right here. And he just, he just took a deep breath and exhaled and then he rolled over and just went back to sleep. And it just kind of got me to thinking about this idea of fear and anxiety that can grip our lives so much, right? Like some of you, you're trying to walk through the darkness without holding the hand of your father. Jesus says not to fear, not because there's nothing to fear. He doesn't say don't be anxious because there is nothing to be anxious about. No, there's, there's plenty to be anxious about, right? But we don't have to be anxious and we don't have to fear because our heavenly father is right there with us. And we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us as a good, good father. And so whatever it is that you're dealing with and whatever it is that you're going through today, our invitation to you is to not walk through it by yourself, but to grab the hand of your heavenly father to remember that he's right there with you, that we have a great high priest that has been where you've been and he knows what it's like to be distressed and troubled greatly. So we walk through it with him. We walk through it with him. He places us in community with other people so we can walk through it with other people, other brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not meant to walk through those things alone. So take your anxieties to the Lord. Cast your cares on Him. Be thankful, be grateful. Be a person of gratitude for God's blessings in your life. Make the kingdom a priority. Get busy serving and being about the work that God has given you to do. And then trust God with the future. Because he's God tomorrow, just like he's God today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for just being a good, good father. Jesus, we're thankful that you, you know our hearts. God, you know where we struggle. You have been tempted, God, in, in every way, the way we are tempted. And that, again, you've been there. You've been, you've been troubled. You've been distressed. God, to some degree, you've, you've been anxious and and part of being anxious is, is what it means to be human. So we're grateful, Father, that, that you've walked this road. We're grateful, Father, that we are not alone. We're not alone in our anxiousness. So God, I pray today you would help us to remember to take our anxieties to the Lord. That you would help us to maintain the right and the proper perspective of gratitude and thankfulness for the blessings in our life. God, I pray we would be about your work and your business that we would be building your kingdom together and that, God, we would trust you. Help us ultimately to trust you with the future because it's in your hands. So we lay all of this at your feet. We thank you for your goodness today in Jesus' name. Amen.